Hi, welcome to Exiting Through the 2010s, a podcast where we reflect and dissect the movies of the past 10 years. I'm your host, Jack Draper, and with me as my co-host, Clay Williams. Hi, how's it going? Uh, this is this is a movie that is about <laughs> birds? Is it? No. I mean, see, is what kind of bird is he? That's the thing. Is it like, what, what is, what is, is it a crow? Like a, no, not a crow. It's like a... What kind of bird is Batman? Oh, <laughs> oh my... Oh, can we end the episode? Actually, can we okay, just well, like? Uh, thanks for listening. Leave. Um, please remember to review, subscribe. Uh, that was so. Oh, yeah. I feel like I feel like this guy's like a falcon, right? Or like an eagle? A falcon? I don't know. Or an eagle. I might well, have just assumed he was a mystical bird. I guess. Yeah. Well, like he says phoenix. Icarus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what kind um, of bird's Icarus? And with us is returning guest Shay Vassar. Hello. Oh. Hey, how's it going? Well, you know. Yep, that's how life is. Yeah, no, oh. I understand that. Yep. Um, Want to give us your history with uh, the Oscars? And where your love, um, or appreciation for the Oscars began? Or lack of. Lack of. Whether well, it be. Like, just Oscars overall, or this year specifically? Oscars no, just like, and Birdman. Yeah. 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 Like, how do you feel about the Oscars? Yeah. So I have. Without to... cursing. cursing. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. I have like a very like bittersweet relationship with the Oscars because I enjoy watching it, but I don't agree with a majority of what they do. Um. I will say that I like thought for a while there that they were doing pretty well up until like post moonlight. Mm-hmm. Um, they were doing all right. And then last year was really disappointing. <laughs> um, well, the year before that too, I like, mm-hmm. I was real hardcore for lady bird. So I was at a bar watch and I had on my Greta Gerwig shirt and um, that was very disappointing, uh, <laughs> all around. So it's, it's something that like, I remember as a kid, like watching and being like really amazed by, because it just felt like, um, like they were gods on the screen. Mm. And now I see it as kind of like a hoax, which is sad, mm. but you know, there, there was a couple of good years in there, um, that they did all right. I think that's a good that's a good way of putting it. When we're kids, we kind of think of the Oscars as like, or at least those those kids that are aware of the Oscars are kind of seeing them as the end all be all. Like, okay, well, this is definitive and objective. These are the best movies. That, these are clearly the only movies that can ever receive five out of five stars, right? Um, like their opinions are definitive. Um, but as as we just grow and appreciate this art form some more. We kind of see the strings behind the curtain, and um, the Oscars are just no more valid. Well, they have a certain amount of valid- validity to the industry than we may have um, than we may have assumed, but it's it's just more like seeing that they're not all that they cracked up to be. 
Exactly. And it's sad when you start seeing, like, the politics of, um, like, last year with Roma, you know, and stuff like that, where it's, like, that was a really uh, beautiful film, and then all of a sudden Green Book came out of nowhere. And you're mm-hmm. like, um, okay. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, what we want. Yeah. Yeah, like, who actually won? Who actually saw Green Book? And... Also, like, just the whole beef with, like, Netflix being a real distributor and all of that, I just think needs to go. Because, mm. obviously, they're they're sticking around. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the uh, Netflix stigma, it's not there this year, I feel like. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's just because Karan, for how talented of a filmmaker he is... It's, he's not Martin Scorsese. Hey, right. He just doesn't have that that legacy and the rep and in the word of mouth yet. Um, and as beautiful as a movie that Roma is, we'll talk about it in a few weeks. But it's it's unfortunate that it's it it couldn't translate to Academy voters. The voters saw it and appreciated it, but they used the backlash of Green Book to be like, you guys can't tell me what I like and dislike. I was moved by Green Book. I think that was totally not a watered down of race in America. You know, like I, I learned something from that. (laughs) And, um, I think it was, it was sort of like a, like a middle finger to anyone that, that was trying to cause controversy. Yeah. I could definitely see it as that. Yeah. I think, I, I really think it's a Falcon. I, I think that's what the I think that's what the Birdman suit really is. Yeah, I, yeah. I've been I've been googling for a little bit, listening, of course, but it, sure. yeah, it, it's a falcon. I think it's just kind of there's nothing else that really looks like it. It's a mystical falcon. Yeah, I think I think that's nice. Yeah. Should we contact Should we contact Daniel Reed too? I don't know. Does he want to be contacted? <laughs> do you think he'd hang up? Do you think he's done? Like what? What? What do you do next after this? He did. What do you mean? What did he do next? He did the Revenant. Well, I get. I'm sorry. I mean, like done. Like I guess I was in. I, I was saying done after the Revenant. But I don't like, think after don't think these a filmmaker two can ever in retire. A I mean, personally, I don't think a filmmaker can ever retire. Like this, this art, this need to create is so uh, powerful inside of a filmmaker. It's. It's like, look at Steven Soderbergh. I mean, we could talk about hit that. Um, well, we discussed Looking Lucky, but it's, it's like that. I mean, he has like a work ethic like no other director. So, I mean, maybe he's a special case, but it's, it's like if Inyoritu announced retirement, I don't think it would be for very long. Well, and it's like <laughs> when it comes to him compared to, you know, the other two of the three amigos, like Guillermo del Toro and Alfonso Cuaron, like, he's definitely the shy one, you know? Yeah. Like, Caron, like, like, you watch him in interviews, and he's, like, definitely, like, the outgoing kind of, like, if you had to put him in a clique in high school, he was, like, the cool guy. And then Guillermo del Toro is kind of, like, the lovable nerd. And then you just have, like, he's this... He's a teddy bear. He's such a teddy bear. And he loved... Have you ever seen him talk negative about another film? Mm-hmm. Ever. No, no, no. Exactly. Like, he is the nicest person. 
And then you have Inharitsu, who's like this mysterious introverted little guy somewhere. Right. And what's even funnier about him being introverted, it's like you'll see, we'll we'll talk about this a little later, like you'll see some of his movies about like misery and violence and and the despair that this world has to offer. And he's just... He's just kind of like this Scott, this shy man, <laughs> like two-time Oscar winner. He's the frustrated artist. Right. Yeah, he's a little frustrated. Of, yeah. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, I mean, like, Guillermo, I've never wanted to hug a person more than Guillermo del Toro. If I ever see him, I'm just going to give him yeah. a big old hug. He seems awesome. Um, but, like, yeah, like, go ahead. Wait, should, maybe you should do what? I should tell this story um, for the Inside Lewin Davis episode, but since we're talking about interviews... And Del Toro, um, on the Criterion for Inside Llewyn Davis, there's an interview with Del Toro and the Coens, right? And every time I think about it, I laugh because, um, you know, like you, you guys have all seen interviews with Del Toro. Like he's so enthusiastic. He loves movies. He, he just he loves to talk movies with other directors. <laughs> And um, he's so excited to be talking talking to the Coen brothers. But every time the camera cuts back to the Coen brothers, they look like they want to hang themselves. Like they could not be more (laughs) bored. (laughs) It's it's like a really great interview. Like they're giving like really good insight into the movie. And I love that movie. But it's like every time they cut back to him, they they look so grumpy. They have rusting bitch face. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They just... They, it, oh, they look so miserable funny. everywhere they go. Yeah, that's what Compared to, like, the happy-go-lucky girl. Right, yes. Exactly. Yeah. It's the just, it juxtaposition, definitely. Yeah. Um, but I think another thing with Inuritu, uh, um, is it Inuritu or Inuritu? I think Inuritu. We're going to keep okay. mispronouncing it. It's... Um, but yeah, Inuritu, I think, is definitely the more frustrated artist out of all of them. And also, I think he's less willing to play ball with studios because like del toro he's made like you know pacific rim i mean um i mean like crimson peak had a decent studio backing it uh hell the hellboy movies and quran he did fucking gravity um gravity's a big studio picture yeah Yeah. exactly these are like they play ball they're willing to collaborate and i think in year two is more of again i keep he's the uh, he's really the frustrated dator he's the you know i'm the artist um kind of guy um, for better or for worse. Um, so I think that's kind of why he's he's not necessarily beloved by uh, Hollywood, and he's weird. Like he, I don't really know if he has like a circle, so to speak. He doesn't have like a group of people besides like, like he does associate himself with uh, Quran and Guillermo, but I don't know. There's not like this. There's not this hive that he comes from. It's just he he's have a bond hive. He doesn't have a bong hive. Yeah. No, no, he doesn't. And he's also yeah. just he's a weird character. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. He's a weird character. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot that he produced that. Have you ever seen Rudo Ecursi? No, I don't think I have. No, what is this? It's like so. It's this film that. Is like these two half brothers that are playing soccer, and it's Gail Garcia Bernal and Diego Luna, mm. and it's very wow. weird. But I recommend. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like that whole like Mexican group 
of filmmakers and actors and all of that. I'm like, I just, oh my God, I just want to hang out with them so bad. Yeah. Yeah. I think. And, a, oh wow. and apparently that was, is that Karan's brother who directed I, and wrote that? Yeah. I had totally forgotten about that because, um, yeah, his brother was also the co-writer on Itumama Tambien, so. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. insane. Yeah, like, they just all collaborate and, like. Yeah. And create- They're kind of like um, Marty and Spielberg and. Uh, Coppola? Uh, Coppola, yeah, and uh, De Palma. Yeah, kind of like, just like different gen- generations are aware that that they all need to support one another because they're just, like this one unit that's trying to just make movies. And yes, I think when it comes time to the Oscars, like they want to best one another, but it's like prior to then it's like, no, I think we should be helping each other out because if we don't, then personally, I think it just hurts us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a nasty industry, so you need Um, all the support you can get. So what is, what do we, how, what is our history with Inyaritu? Like how? What have what have we seen from him? So the first movie I saw was Birdman. I actually saw it. I was in like a really weird place in my life, mm. and I was living in Tallahassee, Florida, mm. and I was in a bad relationship. And mm. um, I like went to the movies. It was like this cheap theater that they got all the the films after the main theaters got them. And so I saw Birdman right before it won the Oscar mm-hmm. and literally I I always say that Birdman was my like that was my turning point like that was my like call back because I grew up like loving cinema and watching movies and being that freak that like people would come over for sleepovers and be like you need to watch My Fair Lady and they're like we right. watched it last time right so like Birdman kind of was decisive because because the film deals with this idea of like choices and making certain choices in your career versus your life and all of that, that like I was like 21 <laughs> and I was like, that deep movie changed my life. But like really in the next two years, you know, I was able to kind of turn my life in a different direction than being like just some boring Indian. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Birdman, like, has a special place in my heart because of that. Um, and since then, I've like watched some of other Corona or uh, Inheritu films. My bad. <laughs> and uh, and I really, oh my gosh, I just watched Amaro's Peros like mm. in the last year, and mm. that movie. Oh my gosh, I haven't I, seen that one. Okay. You definitely have to watch it with the same kind of idea of like the roughness of life and the kind of like underbelly of darkness but also trying to do good and it not always paying off and um it's about dog fighting but none of the dogs were hurt during the filming so that's good yeah Uh, that's definitely good i think that was his first feature yeah yeah um and uh, a young gael garcia bernal is in it so that's nice Um, Can't be upset. It's not my boy, but it's you know he's nice to look at too. It's no Diego. Yeah. It's yeah. no Diego Luna. <laughs> he's not hard on the eyes. Yeah. No, but they've made out, so uh, sure. it works. Right. And 
but no, it's just like, so this idea of like interview to being this like deeper filmmaker who kind of like looks at this dark underside. And I mean, you see that with the revenant too. Yeah. Um, so, and then Birdman, it kind of disguises itself mm. because it is a lo- so much dark humor and it plays it off, um, like, so well. But it's, like, the the fact that it's able to pull it off while also doing so much cinematically just has always amazed me. Yeah, absolutely. Clay, what's your history? Um, so, I've only seen two films of his, is The Revenant and Birdman, and I saw Birdman first. It was definitely, like the first best picture uh, movie I really got behind. Cause like 2013, I caught, I watched the Oscars, but, and I, but I didn't have that one film where it was like, I want this to win. I want this to win. But 2014 I saw, I mean, that's when I began seeing a lot of movies and that was the one movie where I'm like, I want this to win. I like this movie. I really, I, I dig it. Um, yeah, I, it did kind of, it was, a it, it was very much influenced like that year all a lot of those movies were um uh, influential to influential to me um in the sense of like i was seeing things i didn't think the imitation could be done. game was influential to you yes 100 percent um you, you know how like that guy's good well the movie sure m- right yeah. the movie is like yeah well, what, it was good cool. okay got it um yeah i i really like whiplash um i didn't see boyhood that year which is which is weird but um what else? I, yeah, I saw like Snowpiercer, Grand Budapest Hotel, and these are movies I would never see before that year, and so I was just kind of like, oh, cool. This this is like this these movies have like artistic integrity, and I actually know what that means now. Um, and so yeah, Birdman was big. I just dug it. I loved Michael Keaton. I was like mystified by the whole one take thing. Um, and yeah, I don't have strong opinions about Unity Two. Um, I dig The Revenant. Um, I understand like the criticisms behind it, but I think it, I, I like watching it, even though it's like a horribly depressing movie. I think. I, I, go ahead. It's just sad. It's like, a very it's sad movie. Yeah. Yeah. I love Tom Hardy though, so it's just even though he's a despicable person, I just anytime I get to see my man Tom Hardy, I'm just like, I'm good. Um. That'll be a yeah. special episode when we get to lock. Oh God! Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, I hate to be critical of the Revenant, but <laughs> I really, I really dislike um, most of Inuritu's work except for this, <laughs> really? um, which I find fascinating, and I've been thinking all day about why. Um, yeah, I saw that. I, very boring, actually, that I've shared very similar paths to this movie as Clay does. And for the life of me, I can't recall where I first saw this. I can't, I can't see myself going to the theater to see this. I saw it in theaters. Oh, well, that's my fascinating. That's, that's weird. Um, it is weird. Yeah. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I saw this first, definitely. And I, I, again, just like I'll ditto what you say, like I was mystified by Keaton and uh, the one take and the jazzy drums in New York City and the what like everything behind the scenes like, oh, yeah, I know theater, but I don't know what's behind the curtain. You know, (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
I know the concept of uh, of Broadway, but um, Carver, I don't know. And, yeah, okay. Well, thanks for listening. Um, <laughs> please remember to rate and resubscribe. And yeah, so I saw Babel um, in a film class, and I was like, "This is this is like the most." I mean, it's really contrived, and I think it's very preachy. I found it very um, well-intended. Yeah, overbearing and well-intended, but the way it uses violence to link everything together is just... I find it kind of... It just didn't sit well. Um, But what's even more interesting to me is, like, why this one sticks out or it's like, I think I, well, first of all, I go back to when I was 14 and seeing this and I was kind of like taken aback by just everything technically on display. Um, so I think I'm taking, yeah, I think, I think that kind of like overtakes my, my opinion of what could, could be if I saw this for the first time. But I think Shay, you, you touched on something where it's like the, the humor is really good in this. Or it's yeah. like if it was not as funny as it was, it could be as as um, shaken with misery as Twenty One Grams and uh, and Babel. I find both are. Yeah. Yeah, I totally forgot Twenty One Grams, but I just I love Naomi Watts so much. She's actually like my <sighs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Diego Luna's my my man, and Naomi Watts is my woman. So. Yeah. Can't complain with those two. Yeah, no, you really can't. Yeah, there's no complaints. Yeah. So I did like the fact that she's in Birdman, and it's, you know, nice. And, and she's good. And I think, I think you and I will geek out for a minute that it's a little Mulholland Drive like <gasps> character, yes. right? Like that's what I, like, pre, um, like you know my run with Lynch, um. I didn't know about I like I I had seen Mulholland Drive after Birdman, so I never made the connection. This is only my second watch, and um, yeah, like like first time on Broadway, like this happy-go-lucky kind of star, and she's in ha- she even has a, a a kiss with another woman. Like yeah, that because mm. it like comes kind of out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, and um, I mean the kiss at and. Or the sex scene in Mahone Drive comes out of nowhere too, and exactly, you're like, so wait, it's like very connected to that uh, Betty character, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I think Naomi Watts is a wonderful talent. She just does not get the right roles mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah, but her part in like Jay Edgar, I'm like, oh my god, they could have literally picked someone off the street for this. Like, not I noted Mercedes, her <laughs> right. I mean, there's a lot you could say about Jay Edgar. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I noticed with her, she really likes to challenge herself. And yeah. I think that kind of alienates people that could, I mean, speaking of like stands, like pe- people don't line up the st- for the streets to celebrate on your Ritu. Like the, uh, you could say that same criticism for uh, Naomi Watts, where it's like people aren't uh, gathering in Naomi Watts hives. Right. You know, like, um, just because she'll work with like David Cronenberg and Mikel Hanukkah, you know, it's it's like who and would Colin Trevorrow and Colin, Colin Trevorrow and uh, but uh, yeah, but yeah, I, she doesn't. She's 
definitely a diagnosis of not picking the best script sometimes. No, yeah. Yeah, she has some bad projects under her belt. Um, she was supposed to be uh in the Game of Thrones prequel that yeah. they shot, and yeah. then HBO was like, nah. Um, but yeah, they shot it. They had a female director behind it, which was cool because Game of Thrones has a lot of bad female repre- representation. So like, that would be and Naomi Watts was a biggish name. So we were like, oh cool, maybe let's see what that happens with that. And then they were like, uh, we saw the pilot, didn't like it, so we're moving on. I'm like, all right, that, that sucks, but whatever. That's so. Um, yeah, yeah. I I am kind of. The thing is, I would I'm kind of glad on one hand that she didn't do it because now she doesn't have all of that consuming her time mm-hmm. but the other hand i don't know if she's gonna like when is she gonna pick the right project i mean it's not necessarily her fault like it's like i mean roles given to you know any female actress is fucking kind of shitty so like i don't so i don't know if it's his eight if it's her agent the role she's being offered but yeah i do wish she would get a little more of the limelight and get like an actual project instead of just being like in saint vincent or in demolition man or, or mm. not or demolition with jake Hall. demolition man is a di- very different movie or that movie um what was it the sea of trees <laughs> that was the yeah. worst movie i've ever seen in my entire life with matthew mcconaughey yeah, and like Ken Watanabe, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's got. Yeah, it's yeah, so yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. I. It's I'll, really good and not existing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. yeah. Just like, it's like, sound. <laughs> right, in yes. the background, and I was yeah. like, it's it's white noise, absolutely. <laughs> it's so bad. So it's like you know. She's pretty good in. Um, I don't love the movie, but she's pretty good in Loose. I still haven't seen it, but I heard that it's on Hulu now. So like. It's, it's like to me, it, it's kind of overwritten, um, okay. but I still think it has some like Calvin Calvin Harrison Jr. is a treasure. I think he's like excellent. Yeah, uh, and Naomi is is given a really juicy role. I think. Yeah. yeah. She should work with Bombach again. While we're young is great. While we're young, yeah, that's true. I just like I don't know. Yeah. I, I I like her. Wish she would be picked. Pe- pe- I like her in this. I think she's really good in this. I think she's so good in this. Yeah. I actually think the casting, I can't really complain. The ensemble is, it's its actually really good. It's, I, yeah. I do wish, though, they gave her more screen time than fucking Edward Norton. I, I, I don't like that character, and I think it's pointless, no, I think it's, honestly. That's my... I think it's really? That's my... Wow. Yeah, I think... Because it goes nowhere, because, like, is he's, like... He's not redeemed. He he's now with the uh, with Emma Stone, but then that's it. Like in like, is that supposed to absolve him? Is he growing? Is he not growing? Um, and he's also just such an overtly dick that I find nothing humanizing about him. And I feel like the movie wants me to. Like in the quiet scenes with him and um emma stone i'm just kind of like i don't know like i feel like it's like oh he's an artist and he has like you know he has insecurities but i'm like yeah but he's also just such a raging dick that i just like that's not you're not giving me enough here to really feel concerned or interested about him it just i don't know i i also just felt like he got too much screen time i think if you like naomi watts's character was so much more interesting to me than his is it not a uh, breakdown of it, the real life Edward Norton? It, that it is, but I think it's too. But I think it's kind of upset, or I think it's too. 
personally, I feel like it's a little too happy with itself about being mm. that kind of meta. Okay. Where it's like, yeah, Edward Norton's a dick. Yeah, so it's let's show him as a dick. To be like a breakdown with him. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the that's what everyone's theory is because he's had he's he's, he's had multiple had occasions been, where it's like Edward Norton is not a nice guy on set. See, I guess I'm not like up on my Ed Norton. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's too. like the only that's the only thing I know about him. But I just like know like Fight Club. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, of course I'll see him and I'll be like, oh, yeah, Edward Norton. You know, but he's like, a good actor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I get it. I mean, I I don't know. Like, I just, sometimes I kind of like it, though, because it's, the thing that I think works for it is Regan wants to be kind of dicky, but he can't. Like, he's not, he doesn't pull off the whole, like, charming, like, charismatic dick thing that Edward Norton's character can. So it's like I think of that scene when they're doing like the char- or the costume fitting and he just like is basically like naked and like he's so full of himself in a way that like Regan never can be. And so mm-hmm. it reminds me of like like Regan is just trying to get away with something that he's unable to get away with. In his entire life, which is what has led him to divorce, which has led him to, like, I just spilled beer on my bed. Um, Oops. Uh, Oh, my gosh. I was trying to count on my fingers and forgot I was holding it. Um, (laughs) But, like, he basically cannot control it because he's just not naturally kind of like that, like... Mm. I don't know, like that bad boy type, you know, that you see so often in literature and movies and like who just feels like they have a natural like way with life. Yeah, I think uh, Regan has always wanted to be uh, Mike Shiner, whether he knew it or not. um, If there's anything that Regan sacrificed, it's always been up to his life or his career, but it's never about um, personability. And um, and I think that's when he starts to realize that when Mike comes into the picture, that he's he doesn't have because I think yes I think we can all agree that Mike Shiner is not a good person, but he does have swagger about him that Regan does not have, exactly. and that's what he's lacking. And um, and I think that's what um, Emma Stone finds who is my personal favorite performance in this film. Um, I think that's that's what she finds fascinating about Mike Shiner, where he's like you are a horrible mess of a human being and this is and it's people like you that this facade has come down of of broadway theater but i like you right you know because you seem jaded and you you know and i think he he um knows who he is he is um he doesn't try to act like anyone else he doesn't try to like be the nice guy just to impress regan thompson the former superhero actor right he just comes into this play because it's Raymond Carver and it could impress some film critic. Right. Yeah. I, the thing is, I like the concept of like, I do think you need his character. I think you need his character to the, you do the just, just, just fuck juxtaposition uh, between him and Regan. I think that's needed. And I think that works, but the moment that you, but I don't see the need to humanize him. I guess mm. I don't need I don't need I don't see the need to have these quiet moments with him alone, not connected to really Regan and have his own kind of storyline. 
I don't I, I guess I don't see I don't really see the idea. I just feel like with him with his connection to Regan and how that helps Regan's story and progression, I think that's what his sole purpose should have been. Personally. I just I don't know. I got at a point where I was just kind of rolling my eyes and I don't know. I I I, I don't love the tr- the trend or the trope of making people of making these kind of people charming all the, like like so enigmatic and charming when they're obviously dicks. Um Are you it, talking I, about I mean, the, the Norton character when you say these people? Yeah. I mean yeah. Well honestly. that's kind of the I mean, point. The, I mean I saw that as as um as as like a, it works for this for this character because um like it's like a tear it's like it's tearing down those kind of actors that think that them they know better. Right. They know better, and for all we know, Regan could be much more talented than Mike. But it's just well, it's Mike not even, is so full it's not of even that. that we don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's not even like he's so, he knows what he's doing when it comes to acting or whatever. It's just like the the at like you have a nice ass comment, and I'm like, all right, I get it, movie, I get it. He's a dick, or like I, I don't know. I felt it just like I understand what you're doing. It's a bit much. Sure. Um, and I don't. I, I don't know. I, I do get tired of how like, oh, but, you know, he's charming and he's confident and he, you know, he's really talented. So whatever. Do you think Norton was the right casting? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I know that's I not love, what you're yeah. criticizing, but just in general, do you think? Yeah. I mean, he plays a dick super well because he's probably yeah. a dick. So. He probably is. Yeah, exactly. I can see uh-huh. it, though, because it's like when you see some of the other side characters, um, like you mentioned, um, it's like why not focus on them a little bit more to completely. Andrea and- Risebro, I, I'm always taking oh that character too. Yeah, she's excellent. She's great. Yeah, yeah. She's super good, and to think that she came from like, uh, I always think of Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Right? Isn't that what she did? I think so. I just remember that in high school and being I like, I believe so. It it was like, you know, like that and Scott Pilgrim was like the movies that you watch and you're like, oh, I'm cool. I watch cool movies. And then she has a really good Black Mirror episode. So. Really? Yeah, it's um, oh, it's this one that that is the darkest. It's honestly, it's too dark uh, for its own good. But it's she's really good in it. It's like she like kills this family in our car crash. But then like, holy fuck, kill, like. I'm trying to remember. Okay, that's kind of in context, but it's it's like um, a piece of technology is involved somehow. Obviously, it's Black Mirror, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll bring it up actually. No, I'm actually I will watch that. I okay, uh, hang on. Watch a lot of Black Mirror. Crocodile. Yes, yeah. a that's... woman interviews various people using a device that allows her to access their memories. You're right. Isn't she like a real estate agent or something? Yeah, I, uh, I have never seen it. It yeah, sounds like it's... the Toby Kebbell episode. With uh, how they record everything through their eyes. Oh my god, that's oh, the only that's, Black Mirror episode I've seen. That's it's, like top, top shelf. It's, Black it's one of the most upsetting things I've ever seen. It's that's excellent. why oh. I haven't seen more. I, I'm with you, Shay. That ending haunts me to this day. Yeah. I, 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 oh my god. I can't. Uh, sorry. That, oh. that, like, that's a traumatic piece of art for me. Um, god, it's so bad. Yeah. And that's yeah, something no, I really great. take issue with because. There's no, there's no reason at all that Black Mirror has to go this dark. 
there i mean i think there have been episodes that that show the the good intentions of tech but it's like why does every episode have to be just like it is leading us down a dark dark hole and we can't climb out of this hole you know it's it's just like that episode crocodile like um man it's but well i kind of black mirror episode you just (laughs) uh no i i like my i like my mental health no Um, i mean like the entire show like not like one episode but yeah my point still stands okay (laughs) um yeah the thing is i funny enough i kind of connect that to my feelings to birdman in the sense of oh i see what you did Maybe it's a bigger, maybe it's a bigger conversation with art, like, in general right now. But I do find Birdman to be quite obsessed with cynicism. Um, And I feel, and I find that Inuritu is obsessed with cynicism from what I've seen of him. He's very much in the, I don't know, everything he does kind of feels mean. In in some sense, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I and I don't know. Maybe it's right where I'm at right now in my life. Like I used to be much more cynical, um, and I used to love and like bathe in cynicism, but now I find it to be a bit much and not necessarily as cool as it wants to be. Because I feel like cynicism also runs with the idea of like. You know, I know how the world really works, man. It's all a bunch of bullshit. Everything, you know, every, everything's fucked up. It's all society, that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying Birdman's like that. I think it has much more going for it than just that. Um, but I do feel there is this real just... Like, Zach Galifianakis' character feels a little too... Like, at the end with him like oh they love you baby you know like you know oh you shot your uh, nose off who cares you know they love you right now i do like we'll get him a I new one yeah <laughs> i find that i found that to be a little much in its cynicism of you know it's all for art no one cares it's all the big bucks it just that kind of stuff kept popping up to me and i'm like and i guess my biggest problem with this movie is it's a bit obvious in a lot of its delivery of ideas and themes yeah. Um, whether it be the critic stuff, which I personally hate. I hated it. Um, hated that, yeah. Oh man, it's so much. I'm gonna, I'm gonna destroy your, like, it. It it's feels really, like it's really a vile takedown of film criticism. Yeah, it's. It's not even that. It's just dumb. It's a yeah. dumb thing. Like you think, like it's, it, it's, it's out clever. of nowhere, and it's just. It's like Noah Baumbach's version. Like, you know how there's this running joke of Noah Baumbach working through his marital issues in all of his movies? Yeah. Um, or, like, he's obsessed with divorce and he's working that shit out. But I think Baumbach does it well. I think there's, like, I think he puts integrates it into a story as well. I found that to be just in your Richard just working some shit out. And it felt so, like, it felt so self-satisfying that I was just kind of like, dude, do this on your own time. We're not your therapist. <laughs> Like, it's just, like, you have this whole hard-on for critics and superhero movies, I get it, but, like, let's, you know, let's get to the point, let's get to the stuff that connects it to the characters instead of you just trying to work some shit out. Yeah. Um, yeah I feel I like know. some of the meta shit works, but then some of it is a little too much. Like, his inability to take it down a notch is really prevalent here. Um, like, the inner monologue, I, I think I have a tougher time with that. Then I do the um, uh, 
oh my gosh, what am I looking for? Um, the outer monologue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the fa- the fa- fantasy. Um, the, like the fantasy elements, like everything, like with the CG. Yeah. Oh my God, well, there's a word there. Um, but Dream-like yeah, so like sequences. Yeah, like dream. Yeah, sure. But um, I think the inner monologue kind of sucks because there's nothing adding there that we don't know already. Yeah. Um, and I think that his insecurities are just already so well established that there's no, there's like no need for it. Funny enough, I kind of disagree. Surrealism. With that. That's it. Surrealism. Surrealism. I like the inner monologue when it's focused on his characteristics instead of the narrative of big studio filmmaking. Mm. You know what I mean? Like when it's about like, oh, like when his when Birdman is talking about the industry, I don't give a fuck. When Birdman is talking about the insecurities of Riggin and like how much he's fucked his life. I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's getting to the character. He's working out his demons. It's, you know, it's, you know, this two faced kind of thing of like your, you know, your angel and your, uh, your angel and your devil on two shoulders or whatever. Well, that's wait, cool. I'm kind of, I'm kind of confused. Do you have any bias against superhero movies <laughs> that you need to tell us about? I'm kind of, uh, I'm not running. Yeah. The running joke on this is I love superhero movies, but um, I don't think that's I, a I, joke. But. I, other than Iron Man 1, 2, and 3, I've seen one other Marvel movie, so I apologize. At least Iron oh. Man 3 is in there. Don't, yeah, don't apologize to me. Hey, don't uncle, apologize for Iron Man 3. My uncle like worked on Iron Man 3. He, uh, They filmed it in Wilmington, North Carolina at my uncle's studio. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, I The thing is, I guess my huh what do you wait so what do you think of the birdman stuff shay like the surrealism and the inner monologue stuff i would probably agree with you like i don't really care when it's like about the industry i i like the idea of like him talking like where he's getting his ideas from kind of like this legacy that he was Mm -hmm. and like that's what's propelling him forward and trying to kind of reestablish himself so i kind of like the idea that you can hear the inner monologue of his own battle but yeah when it starts Mm -hmm. too critical of like the the industry like i think that's weird because it's like yeah, no one has to necessarily do, like, superhero movies to be big anymore. Um, even then, like, even in 2014. So it's, it's a little off. But, like, also, I, I kind of, I like the scenes where it's, like, it's so out of the blue, yet Regan believes it, that he also believes he can fly. And he also believes that he, like, is, like, so at the same time, he's kind of dealing with this, like, double standard of between his psyche and himself where it's like he's no longer popular and he's trying to reestablish himself but then he also like thinks he's the best and he thinks he's still this character um so i don't know i i kind of i kind of enjoy it but i also it's not my favorite part of the film yeah yeah i like i actually really like those parts of the idea of well, I think it's I think the big thing is though Keaton sells that so much of him believing in his reality and his 
I mean, it's good internal conflict when it's about about him and not things that I don't think pertain to him, like the superhero shit. But when it's mostly about who he is as a person and that conflict and but also the surreal, God, the dreamlike and like the um, his imagination just going completely wild. I think is good because Keaton really sells it as in he really believes this is going on and he has this. I mean, the thing, the great thing about Keaton, he's always played crazy so well. I mean, like that's his whole take on uh, Tim Burton's Batman is that Bruce Wayne is fucking insane. Um, Beetlejuice, he's crazy. Like he plays this mania, like this mania really well. And so when he's in those manic moments of, um, of his uh, hallucinations, I think he really sells it. And I actually do like kind of the, I like the flow of those scenes, I mean, whether it be him flying or him on top of the building jumping or whatever. I kind of, I, I dig those. I just dig it when they stick to his character instead of this overarching hitting over the head commentary of superhero films. And that my, I wrote this on my letterbox review. I feel like a lot of this stuff is if, Todd Phillips wrote Martin Scorsese's New York Times essay. Mm. The whole debate of superhero cinema, like Scorsese writes a beautiful, beautiful essay discussing the uh, the ideas in the conflict that are that the film experience is having right now with theaters and what you know the different how we need to differentiate films that truly emote and have this. Uh, extremely uh, extreme intelligence and artistic value versus the blockbuster fair which can have those things but aren't but can't but should not necessarily be valued the same way and shouldn't overtake all of those other films it's a truly beautiful piece of criticism it's incredible it's an incredible essay i love that essay but to me it's this when it when that film when this film kind of touches on a lot of those same things it's if, if the most obnoxious writer who has this huge who has this huge cynical brain who is so full of himself wrote it and that's Todd Phillips that's just like the that's the thing that got that was in my head was if like what if Todd Phillips you know because he's also Joker is I mean we won't I can't believe I've got Joker into this but he it's a very art it's a very frustrated movie you could tell he's like I'm so frustrated and even in interviews he's like I'm so frustrated with the studio system now I wanted to make a real wait wait movie. wait wait you're saying Joker is a frustrating movie yeah. It, I mean, Wait. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Yeah, Do we need yeah. to stop the recording? Yeah. And so, and he's a frustrated director. That, that's a and frustrating. That's, oh. And that's what I got. Oh. Okay. Wait a minute. Now I, I get it. I get it. Okay. Thank you for. Um. No. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, I, is this a written? Is this a written and directed by AGI? Like, it's just just his script, his directing. I think he co-wrote it with someone. Okay. Um. But those yeah. are my biggest issues with the movie. Is what it's like the how it's so obsessed with its themes that it kind of forgets its characters. I um, lo- I just love Keaton in this movie. I he saves it for me. I mean, yeah, that Keaton third is act so good. It's so good. I mean, yes, I agree. But I'll expand your take to Keaton in the entire movie. You know, <laughs> not just the third act. I no, no, I mean just, him in the entire movie know, plus know, the third act itself. Um, he just has one of the most interesting faces to ever walk this planet, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, and I think it's just quite a brave 
you know, is it brave? But I'll I'll say it's brave. <laughs> it's brave of him to take on this role and to confront his actual career in in a way that's so confident and brash about himself. I I, I mean, every episode that we do of this. I always go back and watch the Oscar clips, the Oscar wins, like whenever something wins best picture, I always like to go back and see when, like how they'll accept that award. And Keaton just gets up to that stage and, and he lets, uh, Anyori to talk for a little bit. <laughs> he's just, he seems like the coolest guy too. I'd, I'd love to just hang out with Keaton and, um, you'd be like the dad I want to have. Right. You know? Yeah, if absolutely. Who my dad was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or he'd be like the coolest uncle, one yeah, of the two. And since he's so cool, and uh, he did, speaking of charisma that Regan lacks, um, he has Keaton has so much charisma. So it's interesting how he can deflate that, and how we say that he's the dad that we want, even though he's such a shitty dad to Sam. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's like That's, a, such a big part of the film. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. What's your relationship with Keaton, Shay? Um, I feel like I've grown up watching him and not even realized it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, he's definitely one of those guys. Yeah, and then um, I've gone back and watched like films, and then I'll be like, I didn't remember Michael Keaton was in this, and then you realize that it's it's kind of because he just becomes whatever character he's supposed to be. Um, but not quite in a way that, like, Leonardo DiCaprio becomes, like, you know, a whole new person. But, like, just because he is so, I don't know, like, he's just a really good actor. Yeah. <laughs> which makes sense why he's lasted so long, which is yeah. also the interesting thing on this commentary. Because he had, like, such a decent career. And then he did just kind of drop out for a while and then has made a comeback. Um, and then it's also interesting that he has returned to being superhero movie villain. Yeah, it is. And he's great in that movie. movie I've seen. So I know that he's a villain in Spider-Man. Score! Yes. yes. I and think he's, he's the, a really yeah. healthy amount of fame, too. Like, he's not Brad Pitt. Right. He's not, um, he's not DiCaprio. He's the he's like you can be like hey that's Michael Keaton like he's it's kind of like how sometimes they'll say hey it's Regan Thompson in this movie, um, like in Times but it's not like in Times Square yes yeah in that whole scene, um, but I don't think it's like an absurd level of fame like Chris Rock has the joke like I'm famous but I'm not Michael Jackson famous which kind of plays differently now but it's still like it, it's kind of like gets the point across um, like um, like you can see me from a far distance away. Um, yeah, Keaton is, he can slip into a Regan Thompson role, but if he wanted to be Beetlejuice again, I think he could do it flawlessly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, He's, he's such an incredible actor. I mean, whatever he's in, um, Shay, but you do make a good point of how he is still, he has still has his Michael Keaton personality, but also attaches that to the character to make it work. Yeah. I mean, he's, I think that's a great point because he's kind of like a subtle movie star because like movie stars like Matthew McConaughey, or even Brad Pitt, even though I love Brad Pitt, they or Tom Hanks, they have these like it, you can tell that their personalities are very much showing into their character, mm. and maybe sometimes that overtakes overtakes the character, uh, depending on the role. But Keaton does that too, even though he's not as famous as those people. I mean, I guess he used to be, um, and he, and he is still somewhat famous now. 
Um, but I think he has the. I, I think he understands how much personality he needs of his own, and how much he can connect it to a character. Exactly. Um, and I think that's. And I think he's incredible at it, and it, it makes him so captivating because you love his personality, but you also love the character work he's doing within that personality. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, he's. I mean, we're all funny enough. We're going to talk about him literally next yeah, next episode. week. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, Mike Brady. I just find this egregious. They lost best best actor. Oh, it's horrible. It's just, it's really upsetting. Um, if I'll quick reminder, if we forgot, Eddie Redmayne was the winner. Um, for Theory of Everything, Benedict Cumberbatch was also nominated for Imitation Game. Bradley Cooper for American Sniper and uh, Steve Carell in Foxcatcher. I totally forgot that that was that year. <sighs> yes. I mean. Foxcatcher, a movie I've tried to watch like four times and fallen asleep every time. That's, that's every a very sleepy a, movie. That's it's, like me and American Sniper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. American Sniper is just not good. <laughs> it made so much money. It um, made so much money, but like. It's just like truckloads of money. It's absurd. Yeah. I don't understand. Like, it's not even, even if I did like (laughs) fall into those beliefs, I would be like, this is not a good movie. Sure. Right. Like, oh, my Lord. Are we going to do an American Sniper episode? (laughs) I hope not. Clay, no. (laughs) If, I mean, if, if we're, I mean, let's, let's do the mule. Should we do the mule? No, Sully. Sully is great. Sully, yes, he landed the plane. I love Sully. (laughs) He lands the plane. He's a, um, he's a man of integrity. I think we should do Sully, but only about Aaron Eckhart's mustache. Only, that's I mean, all we it, can talk about. It's a great stash, man. It's quite don't, healthy. Don't knock it till you try it. No. <laughs> Absolutely. You gotta love it. You gotta um, love it. Two-Face himself. I just, I cannot believe that, yeah, the fact that he doesn't have an Oscar for this. Yeah, is, it was a huge upset. I mean, he was, there was the two, it was the two-horse race. I remember this quote, Alex. This is the first Oscars I really paid attention to. I mean, it was a lot of two. I mean, a lot of Oscars is two horse races. Sure. Or, uh, or, yeah, it's or like you know, Birdman or Boyhood for Best Picture. La La Land or Moonlight. Yeah, exactly. Or in, like Revenant you know. Spotlight. Yeah. Um, but even like certain categories, there are a lot of like two. Like <laughs> it's a two horse race. And for actor, I know it was um, Keaton and Redmayne, but I'm pretty sure Keaton was just kind of like the favorite because. This is a big comeback role. It connects to his career. It's a great narrative. It's a very showy performance. Uh, I mean, it's a great showy performance, but it's showy. It's about. It has connections to Hollywood, um, and he's just everyone likes Keaton, and so I think that was the big thing. And it's weird to me that Redmayne won. It's yeah. God, damn. So this was Searchlight. What was? What was theory of everything? Was oh, this was searchlight's not regency. No, this is definitely yeah. I mean yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah, because I made a note because now technically Fox Searchlight is not a thing anymore. Fox just, Searchlight is dead. Searchlight. Um, so now it's just Searchlight. Lose the focus. I, lose the I, Fox. Yeah. That's weird. Um. <laughs> which so I was made made. I saw that. I'm like, oh, I guess this isn't a thing anymore. There's no. Uh, I bet there won't be even a Fox fanfare. It's uh, uh, it's quite upsetting. Yeah, it's. I don't. I don't know. It's weird. Um. Okay. Focus features distributed. I don't know. Universal. Focus was uh, 
Theory of everything? Okay. Theory of everything, yeah. I don't know. That's weird to me. I don't know how he didn't win. Ugh. I mean, I think that's just prime example of, like, Oscar shit campaigning. Like, you know, like, just, like, working a room, kissing babies, shaking yeah. hands. Like, that'll just get you a trophy. Or but even upsetting a front runner. No, I think Keaton did that. I just think Redman was sort of like maybe he had the the narrative of like uh, Alicia Vikander or Brie Larson, or it's like we will anoint these people to be the next big thing, even yeah. if they will or won't. We will just like knight them. <laughs> he was kind um, of yeah, like they tried to push him as like a next thing, and then he kind of didn't take off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, the funny, he kind of, it's like Taron Edgerton this year, but Taron Edgerton failed, at, but he, like, they were pushing so hard. I mean, it was, I don't want to say it's sad, but you could tell it was kind of desperate yeah. of how many things they were going to. And, like, there was the whole thing with Taron inviting the entire Hollywood foreign press to a party with Elton John, which was questionable at best. Um, so it did seem like Redmayne was just pushing, pushing, pushing. That's a really that good awesome. comparison with uh, Taryn and Eddie. Yeah, I, but I mean, yeah. so I'm kind of sad. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm sad as well that I didn't even, I wasn't even considered. I don't know. Like, I don't, completely. I don't know what the Hollywood Foreign Press has, and I don't. So. Exactly, I could have, I could have helped, but obviously. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Clay, do you remember um, when we watched Jupiter Ascending? Yeah, it was a bad movie. <laughs> and uh, we had a, you had a lot of thoughts on. Eddie Redmayne. Yeah, he's bad in that. Should we do a Jupiter episode? I don't know. People, I would, there's a I lot will of defenders that, for that movie. I will take a Jupiter Ascending episode rather than a silly episode. You're joking. I just think there's more to talk about. I mean, it's... Okay, that's, that, that, that's the argument, but <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the cool thing about Jupiter Ascending is, and I think we, need, I think we all need to know, mm. there's lizard dragons in it. That is, that is true. That. And they're pretty cool. <laughs> they're like bodyguards and they eat people. It's pretty sick. Yeah. That's the thing. That's the reason why you want to watch it. They have these, you know, they're fucking lizard dragons. They're the homies. So what, you're, you're saying it's a good movie? I mean, that's that 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 part slaps. I mean, everything else can... Hmm. No, but... All right, so you like it. That's what you're saying. Yeah, uh, yes, that, thank you. I think you <laughs> understand what I'm right. saying. I'm just going to step there. Um... Yeah, I think this this also won directing. Is that true? Yeah, yeah it was. Yep, yep, yeah. yep, yep, yep. Yeah. And cinematography. Do not forget my boy. Yes. Oh, shit. I'm so... Um, thank you so much for reminding us. You made this great edit of Chivo. Yes. Uh, Emmanuel Lubezki's, like, great shots. Um, yeah, it was... A, yeah, and you... So, talk to us about your love of Chivo. So... I really like Lubetsky, and I mean, I think that he's such an interesting cinematographer because he never captures things exactly how I I would think that the world would be um, captured. And you see that within some of his more realistic films, like uh, Ichimama Tambien, but then you also see that in some of his like more surreal films, like this one. And, um, Tree of Life, too. Tree of Life, oh my gosh. Yeah, and it's yeah. just like... Sleepy Hollow. Oh, okay. Sleepy Hollow, yes. I freaking love that movie. Um, 
He also shot Cat in the Hat. Just want to say. Uh, um, he shot yeah, funny I, people. It's so weird. Ugh. Funny people. What he, the like, hell? he had a time where I don't think he was getting great jobs. Um, which doesn't make sense because it's like you look at his work and it's just. Whenever you listen to interviews with this guy, like you see how like humble he is. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like that humility comes across in his cinematography. And I can't quite put my finger on it, but there's just a way that he captures it. Like he's just like um like an observer rather than an active body. That mm-hmm. even this film, he allows his inactivity to be in the background so that the theater becomes a character rather than the actual cinematography and that is talent right there because how do you do a one shot in a claustrophobic area and your cinematography doesn't become the character but the location well i personally believe this is a more impressive uh, photography job than the revenant because yeah it's just the revenant is I, i can't i mean i don't I don't like that movie much, but I I can't not say it's beautifully photographed. But it's, I prefer this cinematography over that one because, like you're saying, it is so closed in and claustrophobic. You feel like the walls are just like closing in on Regan, and um, and you're spending so much time even in that little section with Times Square. You're spending so much time in this um, theater that this is like his entire. This is literally all all he can live in. He has to almost kill himself to escape this place, right? Like, um, that's his escape. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I because yeah, he's that's... he's created this pit for himself. Uh, Lubeski kind of translates that with the one take. We we haven't really discussed the one take much, but he well, also I shot Birdcage. Gonna... I love the Birdcage, but I wouldn't yeah, think that. I, uh, yeah, because wow. that's an edit too. I love the Birdcage. Wow. Um. Yeah, no, I wanted to transition to the one take because I find it interesting, and I can relate it back to the Oscars, because the big thing with Chivo and his, like, he's won a, how many Oscars has he won? He won two in a row. No, he won three in a row. Three in a row. Three in a row. Yeah. That's right, for Gravity. 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 Um, So he was, yeah. Do we win for Tree of Life? No. No. What? He was on, yeah. He was on this hot, hot streak of Oscar wins. And the narrative behind and funny thing, funny enough, usually like cinematographers or editors don't have this like huge Oscar narrative, but he was getting one because he kept beating Deacons in the and So right. it was Chivo versus Deacons for the longest time um, or not the longest time, but for quite a while. Um, and which one, which is the more underrated um, cinematographer and Deacons, of course, was has been in the business for way longer. But still, like it, Lubeski was just shooting great movie i mean like beautiful movie after beautiful movie so it became this whole thing um and so we're talking about the one take the one take so when shay when you were describing like the one take of how like it acts as a character and it really serves the story and um i mean the the overall argument and uh praise these one one take movies kind of get i'm like oh yeah 1917 which was shot by deacons so it's still like this. It's I don't I don't I don't think that's like I don't think it really has any deep connection to Lubetsky, but it's kind of this back and forth between them. They're still kind of going at it in a sense, like yeah. of course, like yeah. I and this is oh, yeah. So because like I agree though, 1917 is incredibly shot, 
And the fact that it's a one take in a war movie, like that is so impressive to me because everything had to be planned out so well. It's like a little different than being like behind the scenes in a, I mean, obviously being like backstage in a Broadway theater was the purpose of Regan's psyche. Like that makes sense. But it's like 1917 is kind of, um, a whole nother battle because you're outside, you're dealing with two characters, you're dealing with so much going on. And like those trench scenes, I was so impressed with. But I think it's a little played out by now that the one take is like a gimmick. Like, yeah. I think that's such a lazy argument. Like, you can, we can be um, not giving this the one take a, a free pass. I don't think that that's what I'm saying. It's just. Like, oh, it's a gimmick. It's a video game. Like, all right, come on. Can, can't we come up with something else? Um, but yeah, I think yeah. I think it works wonderfully here. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the 1917 thing is also like, that takes place in real time. There is a lot of time movement in well, this Well, so movie. doesn't Birdman? Yeah. I mean, in, no, Birdman does not place in, take place in real time. Like, mostly. I mean, no, like, oh, like, hold, like, when he gets drunk at night, it you could see, like, the, it goes back up. It looks at the sky and you can see it, um, and you can see it turn to uh, turn to morning instantly. And it would also like the thing is there is no continuity. Like they didn't have to be too aware of continuity because they would like drift in and out, and characters would appear over there, and you can tell time has passed. Like uh, when Ed Edward Norton and Emma Stone are kind of going at it uh, at like the balcony. And then the camera drops oh. down to where Edward Norton is already in a scene. Like that's not real time. Like a whole bunch of time has passed. Um, between those. Yeah, and I feel like things. it's those moments that some guy would be like, "Oh yeah, that's where they cut. That that's where the edit. You can yeah. see the seams. Yeah, oh, you know." Okay. Like, I hate whenever I bring up this movie and someone's like, yeah, "You can tell where the cuts are." Yeah, you can see it. Yeah, it's like okay, there, because like, pretend you're at Disney World, right? You know, like <laughs> the magic is there. Let's just exactly. have fun. Like, and even if you know where the cuts are, like, they're very hard to tell because it's pretty seamless. Like, it's pretty perfect. Yeah, I, I agree. I, 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 yeah, I, I think, though, I kind of like the idea that maybe Deacons is one-upping Lubeski. Because yeah. the thing is, if he, if, if Deacons wins this, and he probably, and it's pretty much a lock that he's going to win for Cinematographer... If he wins this, though, like, that's his second Oscar. And Lubetsky's second Oscar was one, a one-take shot. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that weird? No. Uh, wait. Gravity was his first? It had to yeah. be, right? I'm pretty bananas. sure Gravity was first. That's bananas. Anyway, um, I meant to read something from Scott Tobias' review of this movie on The Dissolve about the film critic. I believe this is on the film critic. Oh no! And I forgot. <laughs> I forgot about, and I didn't want. I didn't want to forget that. So, um, <clears throat> there is a sourness to Birdman that Inuritu can't turn into wit. His attempts to satirize the media vultures manifest in an embarrassing scene where Regan faces a roundtable of imbeciles who ask him about Ronald Ronald <laughs> Ronald Barth's The Pig Seaman and Birdman Four. The, pre the presence of an all-powerful New York Times theater critic, played by Lindsay Duncan who tagged as a vindicative know-nothing. The artists are the ones putting their lives on the line every night, and Yuri Chu suggests that the artists he exalts 
above all in Birdman from Regan Thompson to a supremely gifted director named Inuritu. This is a high wire act as much as it is Regan's Keaton's or whatever the audience holds. So it's like, I get it, but I think that's also a really good takedown of that scene. I yeah. just, yeah, I want him to calm down. I like <laughs> when I see those scenes, when I see the scene with like, like the joke about the pig semen, I'm just like, okay, I understand this is like absurd, but you need to chill. Mm. Just take it down five notches. Do you think that you can name someone that would take it down? Like with the same script? I mean, one later. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I was Inkler. just thinking like, Goodness. yeah, no, I'm just like saying like, like, I don't know, subtle directors who don't get too, who don't get too full of themselves. I find, I mean, that's hard because auteurs are naturally fundamentally, you know, ego driven. Full of themselves. Yeah, sure. Much. So I, I, I'm not sure, but like, I mean, like a fucking Jonathan Demi, you know, like those like real like sentimental directors who can just have this like fun, like Married to the Mob has those moments, yes. but it connects to the characters more. It connects to the character more like something wild. Um, like it has those it it knows when to calm itself down. Yeah. And I think that's just the, my struggle with this movie yeah. is that sometimes I'm just like, you didn't have to do that. I wonder just, what would happen if like AGI and demi had like a dinner you know like <laughs> those are two like very different energies yeah <laughs> have you seen uh what, what are your thoughts on jonathan demi i mean i feel like i don't know i don't know if i've really analyzed enough of his work to be like i'm a fan or i'm not a fan yeah um but I I would I wish we could have that conversation just because they both seem to have maybe some weird similarities That's in their cool. personalities. Mm. Like they're but, both introverted. Yeah, but not in their filmography. So the way that they like express that is different. It'd be kind of an interesting <laughs> difference. That's funny. Yeah, I, I didn't see. Yeah, that. I see what you mean. Yeah, I would I would like to see. Um, you know, like Jonathan Demi's babble. You know, <laughs> imagine that. Oh, God. oh my gosh, um, he's such an empathetic yeah. filmmaker, and um, plays <laughs> and um, mode is is so not empathy. Sorry, that's like wow, just like totally different. I, I like the thing is like one of the big scenes where I'm like, all right, this is way too much. You need to calm it down or maybe not the scene itself. But I mean, of course, the critic stuff um, and like I thought the boner thing <laughs> was just like, all right. Oh my Ed, God. Yeah, you need to like, come on, uh, let's let's ca- let's calm it down here. You, this was a bit much. It, it, it's and my but like one of the big ones was. I mean, I think the scene is good, but the idea that Keaton freaks the fuck out over pot, I yeah. was like, I mean, I mean, well, I think that's on. I think I don't think that's too much. I think that's just Regan Marijuana. being like, well, yeah, no, I think it's just Regan being, uh, you know, he's just trying to find something to yell at Sam about. I think he's just like, I think that he's really pissed at. Uh, Mike, and he's just trying to like let this let this anger out on someone. So like, 
at the moment that he he smelt weed in that in that room, he's just like, I'm gonna I'm gonna tear her a new one, and then he she tears him a new one. So then that anger that he has bottled up kind of backfired. I think I think actually that scene is great, but I, I, I like, see your point. I see that you would categorize it there. I like the scene itself, but I I hate that that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Not just because like I think marijuana is that that big of a deal, but it was such a snap reaction that I just it felt like they were just using it to have an excuse. I mean, you could say that's what the character was, but it was such a it felt like such a like all right, we need conflict. Um 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 weed. All right, cool. Let's move it. Let's do so it. So what you're um, saying? You're anti weed. Yes, 100%. I, don't don't smoke your kids. Um, um, yeah, I think that's the point. I don't know. It felt... I think it's... A, that, yeah. No, I see. Yeah. Do you think that Stone's monologue was overwritten? Where she just belts this, like, You know what, Dad? You're not important. I'm not important. We're all not important. Like, it's, it's one of those things. Like, okay, you just belt this out. <laughs> I it's overwritten if it's for any other character. Oh, yeah. If it's any other character it's ever written, but her character, I'm like, yeah, she would say some shit like that. If it was Galifianakis, you'd be like, what is this? Yeah. Who I love this. By the way, we haven't talked about him, but I, I love, I'm a enormous Galifianakis fan. Um, I Baskets is hysterical to me. Um, that kind of dry wit is kind of my flavor, but. I think he was and he's, casted. Uh, he's perfectly cast. Yeah. What do you think of what do you think of the supporting cast overall, Shay? I think it's great. I mean, I think I mean, you can't pull it off without having the cast that you do. I mean, especially because the the characters that you have most on screen, I mean, I know your complaints with Norton. Um, but he does play a dick so well. He really uh, does. But yeah. then, you know, too well. Like Emma Stone is just and to think that this is way before we get some of the performances we get, like this is before La La Land, this is before The Favorite, this is, you know, this is her like starting to branch out from like Easy A. And not saying that her Easy A performance isn't good, but it's just like, it's a whole nother level. And we see a whole nother side of Emma Stone that we're like, wow, she is capable of so much. So it's Do you guys like, remember if this was a departure? Like this I, was like a... I Technically, Gangster Squad was her first big departure. I mean, that was the first like very dramatic movie she did because before that, it's The Help, which is kind and of a comedy. Her first nomination, I think. Um, and Crazy Stupid Love, which is again kind of a comedy, but I think Gangster Squad was this, her first like I'm gonna try a serious acting. But uh, but yeah, she's great in this. So, also, she looks great with blonde hair. So Yeah, absolutely. really like that. Yeah. And also, she looks great as kind of, like, a hardcore girl with, like, tattoos. She looks great as, like, a like an ex-druggie. Like, yeah. I think coming from EZA, kind of like uh, the girl that you have a crush on in, uh, in Superbad, to this, I think it's, it's kind of like a seamless transition. Although, like... <laughs> Easy Bad was seven years ago at this point, so I guess that's wait, kind of wait, like... wait, Easy Bad. Oh, oh, my goodness, wow, yeah. <laughs> what if, oh, what if both films like were I was like, about to yeah, say. if Frankenstein together, yeah. I'm just gonna put uh, both those together. Yeah, Easy Bad. Stanley Tucci is in Super Bad, and Bill Hader's in Easy A. Yeah. 
<laughs> Wait, Tucci's an easy A? Yeah. He's I really good at it's, it's been a while. Touch of the Tucci. Touch of the What if Stanley Tucci's in Birdman? What if he was oh. Birdman? Did you all catch Bill Camp in this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was the crazy man in the hobo. I didn't realize that was. You told me about it. You were like, "Such a nice surprise!" It's Bill Camp. He texted me like in the like the few days ago, and he's like, "Oh my God, Bill Camp's in this." I love Bill. (laughs) I'm so hard. Oh wow. (laughs) He's great in The Outsider. You guys watching The Outsider? No, I need to get on. I hear it's good. Oh, it's good. I mean, you. Bill Bill plays a lawyer, and it's like more of that. Oh. How's, Bill how's Camp as a lawyer is all I need right now, you know. Like, how's my boy Mendy? Mendy's good. He, you know, like in Mississippi Grind and Killing Them Softly, he plays like an actual piece of garbage. It's kind of yes. like that again. Yeah. Oh, like he's but as a trash mode. He's an actual as a detective, as a detective who is stricken with grief. Garbage detective. Yeah, garbage is... human being, like. I think I think Mendy does it. That's Ben Mendelsohn. If if you didn't know, like he does it really, he does it exceptionally well. Oh, I know because he's in Rogue One. Oh yeah, a great movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, with that the Jack. Well. Yeah, yeah. I I have no opinion on Rogue One. I saw yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I've only seen it the once. I have no opinion uh-huh. on it. I, I've lost track of how many times I've seen it. I watch it in French now. Work on my French. <laughs> Right, you've gone for the that's English, awesome. right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we we have been in this fight since we were six years old. I just, I do have to say that. Um, that's that's always the joke I tell with <laughs> fucking Rogue One. Yeah. I, I, I just what? love that line. Diego <laughs> just like yells at Felicity Jones, like I've been in this fight since I was six years old. Yeah, he like such a great that. line. It's so great. We will have to have you on for that episode. So. <gasps> I would be so honored. Yeah, I think I think that's kind of like we're gonna put that on the docket. You should because yeah. Yeah. I have yet to like fully express my like like it, it comes out in bits and pieces, but Rogue One is like also I'm like offended that no one has invited me on any Diego specific type podcast. Mm, yeah, like, are there? You should start one. <laughs> right, the Diego cast. Diego, yeah, Luna cast. Like, I don't want to, like, one day if I meet him, I don't want him to be like, oh, you're that crazy girl. <laughs> but, like, at this point, I feel like he might because it's, like, I haven't exactly hidden it. I don't think you should be, like, if I meet him, but, like, when I track down Diego Luna. Well, I don't okay. want him to think I'm the crazy girl. So, I'm going to Guadalajara in uh, April. My cousin's getting married, and he spends a lot of time in Guadalajara. And so I've told my boyfriend that if I meet Diego, that he's not going to the wedding with me anymore. But I'm uh, so my cousin was like, it's okay, Anthony, you can still come. And he's like, what? So I can see like her with Diego Luna. <laughs> like, oh, that's so funny. It's a huge, I, yeah. I mean, you can't argue. That's a, that's a hall pass of hall passes. I mean, you should bring you should bring Yaba the you should bring Jabba the Hut action figure with you though, just in case. So you can just pull it and like you want to touch Yaba. Yeah, you you want to you want to touch Yaba. Oh God. Have, have, do you know what so I'm talking so about, Jack? I have no idea. I I don't want to well, take okay. a guess. Google Google Diego Luna and Jabba the Hut. In these interviews, he no. keeps t- saying he keeps telling people, "I want to touch the Yaba. I just want to touch him." I've never 
this and I Oh, like you haven't so heard of that either? No. Oh my god, you've got to look it up. Guys, what are you doing? you got to touch the Yaba. Now I'm like, am I even a Diego Luna fan? Oh, it's it's one of the glor- most glorious. I, 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 che, I will message you that video. Don't you worry. Please, I'm like going to cry now that I haven't seen that. How could you have fit in Diego Luna into Birdman? Do you recast? Do you just be like, he's another actor? Is By the way, sorry, I'm going to let you answer. But quick shout out to Mer- Merritt Weaver, who I did not expect to show up as like a stage manager. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, that was like, that was kind of like whoa, like she, marriage she's story, just gonna, yeah. yeah, marriage story oh, and uh, unbelievable yeah. and yeah, I, I, she's just been like on a streak this last these last few years, so it's it was like wow, it's kind of, it was like a Bill Camp kind of cameo. I don't know, maybe that's what my podcast. It's gonna be a spinoff from y'all's podcast. It's gonna be movies that I am gonna fit Diego Luna in. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I would want him to be any of these characters because I don't I don't know. They're all horrible people, and Diego Luna's pure. He's so pure. Oh, I we love, love him. him. We love him. I have, I have an E2 Mama Tambien poster in my living room. It's a great, great poster. Movie. Yeah, it's, it's, a great, it's a great movie. Oh. Anyway, don't get me started, or I will want to talk about this. Is that your favorite Quran? It's probably my favorite movie. Wow, that's a great pick. Yeah. Um, um, one thing I want to talk about, but um, real quick, it's it's something. Um, is it quick? With you? Is it? <laughs> yeah, well, yes. Uh, that's a great, yeah, that's a great I do want to say thank you for that's finishing. That's a great point. Yeah. Well, two things. Are we going to uh, branch off into other tangents, into this one tangent, or can we... The begin the second the idea of like the second title of this movie go fuck yourself. Yeah, Are you kidding? I, right. Yes. What? Yes. What? <laughs> I just some. Oh. I think the I only was, one. Uh, there's only one movie that that gets to deserve that like colon another title is Doctor Strangelove. Just because like it's Doctor Strangelove. Oh yeah, that's the best one. Like, the, you, you know what I'm know, saying? The day like, I learned the, to love the bomb. Yeah. No, it's how it stops worrying and love the bomb. Oh, fuck you. That's, you don't that's, want that's what the title is. Yeah, you don't even know the title. How dare you? Can like, we think of anything else that's done it? Or is Myrit's, it just Bird Myrit's stories? Oh, right. New and selected? Yeah. That's fuck that. I've always been very confused. One title. Jesus Christ. You auteurs. You just can't stop jerking off. Like, Jesus okay, whoa. Christ. Okay, all right, all right. I don't I'm think it's bad, but... Three titles. Yeah, it's ridiculous. What titles? Three titles. What does? Yeah. My movie that I'm going to make one day. Oh, yeah. You just, like, one up and, like, you know, yeah. you think Kubrick was hot shit. Three titles. Yeah. Listen, it's going to be old Oops. and reselected. Yeah, it's going to be. Yeah. P.S. Yeah. Right, yeah. like, right. P.S.S. <laughs> it's, like, I don't know. That, that, that pisses me off, but I'm kind of, like, it's same thing with me, like, in franchises. Like, like I love the John Wick franchise, but how there's John Wick, then John Wick Chapter 2, then John Wick Chapter 3, Colin Parabellum. Like, just choose your fucking thing, bro. Yeah. Like, you, call, call, uh, you know, colon or no colon. You know, and, like, the Mission Impossible... mean in uh, 
Latin again? Oh, I think it. I think it's like a mean. Isn't it like surrounded? Yeah, it's or, a thing in the movie. Like war, no, I think it's war. Right, it's war. It is war. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Right. So I think it's clever. I think the like I get your point, but the John Wick titles are clever. It, like like the Parabellum has another. It it has meaning to it. But like same. Yeah. Don't spoil them. Oh yeah, John Wick is great. Uh, Dude, you got you got to like binge those all in one day. It's, it's oh, oh my god. god. One so. Oh, just um, should we fit that one into one episode, or do we learn oh, yeah. a lesson from Star Wars? Oh no no no. Well, the thing is they're shorter and they're less <laughs> and they're less plotty. True. So that will help. Um, Shay, please tell me you did not listen to Star Wars. I did not. Okay, please Good. don't. It's a hot mess. <laughs> it's too long. It's, it's great though, but it's, it's too long. It's, it gets you know. I just let Jackson and Clay off the leash. Just like go. Yeah. Right, uh, Jenna. Um, one more thing. What was I gonna write? Um, or say. Uh, oh yeah. Um, the one problem. I mean, it, there's some problematic things about this movie, but the problem that like one of the uh, uh, Michael Keaton is 30 years older than um. Andrea Rizvaro. Andrea Rizvaro. Yeah. Hot. That you know what? Fair. I can't I can't argue that. Right, love it. You know what? I love how that was so instinctual. If Florence Pugh can date her scrub man, it's fine. Is that actually a thing? I heard that. Is she actually dating Zach Braff? Yes. They're they're happily together. Oh. Yeah, it's no good. Like, um, at least make an attractive older man. Like Diego. Yeah, why is that? Like, he's not even funny. <laughs> no, and he's not even attractive. Like, he's like not- Ben Mendelsohn. Right. <laughs> I would love that couple. Right? Ben yes. Mendelsohn and Florence Pugh. My goodness. Push me down in a flight of stairs. I don't Holy know. Holy shit. You look a little too young for Ben Mendelsohn. Um, I, don't, I mean, Zach Braff, if I had to choose, you know, if I'm choosing Zach Braff or Ben Mendelsohn, I'm choosing Mendy every time. Okay, true, because Zach Braff... I want that lisp in my... I want that lisp whispering in my ear. Shh. Sure. Um, No, Diego Luna had a thing with Suki Waterhouse, and she was born in 92, so she's three years older than Florence Pugh. So I say Florence Pugh, Diego Luna, but then I'd get jealous. How old is Diego Luna? I think he just turned one. Yeah, he looks incredible. I, I think he's like... Like 24, right? <laughs> he looks so right. fucking yeah. young. I look older than he does. <laughs> um, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I love that guy. He's so, oh, yeah. It's yeah. crazy he's 40. It's insane. Yeah. Shay, I think you've made me reevaluate Diego Luna. You have. Like, I've taken for granted um, his work. I think I've taken taking his work for granted like i i love and appreciate um tambien but it's but it's like the first time i saw it i guess we'll never have a chance to talk about it um <laughs> but like i saw it because roma was coming out and i had never seen it and um i was just like wow i was struck by uh the alfonso Cuarón of it all like the yeah the, like how well made it was but um i think a rewatch uh, i'll get to appreciate um Diego's performance. Or it's Netflix. 
Yeah, that's true. Criterion. Criterion. And yes, like mm-hmm. it's just, I, I think it's the dreamiest movie. It hits every emotional like beat. You're happy. You're sad. You're emotional. You're in love. Yeah. And yeah. I think. It's masterpiece. It's a it's the horniest movie I've ever seen, and I say that in the best way possible. Exactly. That might also be why I like it, because it's like it's so horny. He's <laughs> over eighteen, so like I the first thing I did after I saw it was like Google, like how old was Diego Luna? When yeah, exactly. Gonna <laughs> <laughs> be a total creep and be, mm-hmm. but like for real, because it's like and he was like nineteen or twenty, like he yeah. already started looking like young. It wasn't like blue is the warmest color. Yeah. Right. Or some of these other movies, like you yeah. see like these like 14 year olds being like, oh, they're going to be so hot when they're older. I'm like, oh, that's creepy. Um, but yeah, no, Diego Luna's also directed films. Which... It's also, yeah, he's in Beale Street. And I always think I about was just going to bring up Beale Street, like yes. such a great like flavor. Like he's in, he's it's like a cameo, right? Like yeah. a lot of weird from, people from remembering pop up in that movie. Dave Franco pops. I know exactly. Or, Isn't yeah. Pedro Pascal in that movie? Pedro Pascal. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they're both, and they're both from, and they're both doing Narcos, right? Pedro Pascal did Narcos, and Diego Luna is still doing Narcos. He's doing Narcos Mexico. Yeah, there's like five spinoffs. He's like the main um, Mexican drug lord, and. Season two comes out February 13th. Yes, I do know this. Is it good? Yes, I am a crazy person. Yes, I don't stalk him, but I watch all of his stuff. Um, I thought it was really good, actually. And I'm not just saying that. But, like, season one, like, I was really, really invested in. So I'm hoping season two is just as good. There's also... So weird, but, like... So the whole thing is, like, these two brothers basically started selling weed. And... They got, like, into trafficking or whatever. Well, the other brother that plays Diego Luna's brother, he's dating this girl who was played by this singer-slash-actress named Tessa Ia, who is, like, dreamy. Mm-hmm. And come to find out, she is the half-sister of Diego Luna's ex-wife. Anyway. Wow. I do know a lot, okay? <laughs> I don't think we can compete with that with uh, anyone. I think Diego Luna is calling me to establish a restraining order against right. Shay. Yeah. Let, me, let, me, let me pick this up. I think the U.S. government is coming here with a cease and desist order. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. No, he's a Capricorn. I'm a Virgo. We're a perfect match. Mm. Oh, my God. Wow, your respect, I got to yeah. say. Weird, I'm, yeah. I'm seeing a hitman being hired for Shay Vassar. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's no. right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. From the country of Mexico. Oh, wow. I, I didn't realize you could do that. Really like him, and like not in a fangirl way. Like I don't write fan fiction, even though I have read some. Yeah. Okay. Fiction. Now that we that you're making public, we don't know of. Yeah. No, I don't write fan fiction, but there that is we know of. fiction yeah. on there about Cassian Andor and Jin Erso on Tumblr. I have come across it. Who are those people? Oh, go fuck yourself, dude. Girl- from Rogue One. <laughs> oh, there's. Well, I, it's only Felicity. Felicity Jones as Jen Urso, son, uh, daughter of Galen Urso, engineer of the Death Star, and Cassian Andor, a, a, a rebel, a rebel spy slash fighter who's been in this fight since he was six years old. Listen, man. 
We had three and a half hours for Star Wars. He is he, he is the child the of entire. former separatist separatist loyalists. Yeah. Loyalists. I mean, you know, like I believe you. The, I believe you. We're getting our own Cassian Andor show in 2021, okay? Yeah, it's gonna be like I love how the first two Disney Plus Star Wars shows are starring Pedro Pascal and Diego Luna. I. It's, it's so, so dope. It's so great. We really. And I love. Oh. I love it. You gotta love it. Um, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, yes, <laughs> right on track. Like, like we talk about Diego Luna. So mm. I it brought does, this on oh. myself. It's so fine. diversity um, sucks in this movie. It's very white. Well, I mean, I think you can say that for many, many movies. <laughs> it is. This very is true. We can we can start with Birdman, but um, there's a long list. Um, but I, I just but that was the only transition I could see. Sure. Um, do we think that Regan kills himself at the end? Because I'm a believer that he uh, does. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I guess I can that... rest. I can present my case first if you guys feel differently. Okay, present your case. I have okay. mine. I'm ready. <laughs> um, I think if this attempt to commit suicide on stage was botched, then I I don't think he would um just be like, okay, well, I guess I'll go out there and. Tonight's a new show, you know? I, I think he's committed to this show, and so he's committed to killing himself. Um, as morbid as this conversation is starting out to be, but um, I think that this is the legacy that he would like to leave behind, like we see with Jake holding up the newspaper, and I think Sam comes over and kind of congratulates them or maybe amy ryan does but um who's also wonderful in that one scene um i think he's someone that just thinks this is the end like he just wanted to show the world that he was more than just Birdman. and the reason why sam looks up into the sky is maybe because ugh, like it's heaven like he's now ascended um that's like the flying thing is like he is ascending into you know um but yeah i just i i think he wasn't just gonna like walk on out of the hospital just because he's been giving a second chance at life because the uh, suicide attempt was not according to plan so i think See, the thing is, there's, like, two ways to read it. Did he, maybe he, like, there's this whole, there's always this theory when, like, a character has a near-death experience near or near the end of the film and um, is, like, well, did he actually kill himself when he shot shot his nose off? Like, was that, and then the rest was his dream and, like, the, like, like how he achieved fame and he got everything he wanted and then he killed himself again? I don't know. Um, and there's a second, re- like, do we think that he meant to shoot his nose off and only his nose off? Was that his first? Like, I don't see how you shoot your nose off and not like, how do you shoot your nose off accidentally when you put a gun to your head? Like, that's the thing that doesn't make sense to me. Question. I I've feel like, he, that. I don't know. Yeah. The thing is, and the reason why I think he's alive is because even when he's hallucinating, the in- crowds around him are having the reaction of him in reality, meaning that if they're looking up, it's not because he's flying, it's because he's about to jump. 
but those crowds still have the same reaction. Why you see the cab driver go after him after he uh, hallucinates that he flew there. So I feel like what we're seeing of Emma Stone's reaction or like her looking up, I think that's really happening. So I don't, but I don't know what that means. It's, I don't know. Honestly, I just don't think he killed himself because I do think Inuratu wants this one little sense of hope. This one little, like, the artist achieved what he wanted and, and he just, he had to pay blood, but he didn't have to kill himself. I don't know. Like, I, I feel, even, I do think Inuratu is a huge cynic and has a lot of anger towards the world and how artists are treated, treated but I do think he's going to allow himself that little sense of hope. Just a tiny bit. I think what the hope think, is Jay? Sam for me. I think, uh, sorry, I'll just... I'll, go, I'll throw it over to you. <laughs> so I disagree with you both. Awesome. Interesting. Ooh. Tension. Uh, so I think that he fails at killing himself, but not because of hope. And I know that Clay might hate this because it's cynical, but I think it's because, like, Regan is so bad at succeeding at everything he tries to do, he can't even kill himself. Huh. That's huh. how I've always read it. I don't know. Mm. I kind of like so. That. So what do you think? So do you think? So he jumps. Do you think he jumps out the window and dies? No, I think he thinks he's doing that, just like he thought he was flying earlier in the film and stuff. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, yeah. That's fair. I I don't know. Um. Maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe Sam is looking at the meteor that's for some reason in this movie that I kind of scoffed at. Yeah, I always forget about that. Uh, like the meteor? What the fuck? All right. But what what were you gonna say? Your uh, uh, Jack, his his hope is uh, his hope is Sam. I like I that too, though. I don't know if you would call it a reconciliation because you know what? I, I guess I will call it a reconciliation. Um, like with that whole like toilet paper like writing how many years the Earth has been alive scene. Like, or I think it's yeah, that sounds about right. Um, they just come together near the end and um because i think sam finally saw uh regan as as no longer just a dad that wasn't there for her when uh during her childhood and he is left behind like some moments of togetherness um so he can feel okay now that he is no longer with her Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, with that. maybe. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Hmm. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't have a strong take, honestly. I, I think. I, I, I think it's. Yeah, I don't have. I don't have like this is exactly what happened. I, you know, I'm kind of like you know I, I, something happened. You know. Another thing that could have happened, um, he didn't think that he was good enough for this world for Diego Luna. So he's just like, since he is also like alive when I am alive, I can't take it. So it's like, I cannot compete with this new generation. Yeah, Yeah, right? He had to make room. That's a little bit of relatability that Inuratu uh, snuck into the script. What if if Diego Luna was the next Birdman? Like they made like in that reality, they made a sequel. In like you Birdman know, actually, Five. the the next Birdman, that's actually a a good idea. That's a good uh, uh, subject that we could cover because 
mm-hmm. what Avenger right now or current or past could could be this Regan Thompson character? Well, or if anyone, I well, Jack, I'm so honored that you asked me that question. This is why I'm here. Um, second, I don't. The thing is, the thing that. The difference is there's such a huge year gap between Batman uh, Batman Returns and Birdman that it makes sense of how much it affected. Like, it put um, Regan's life on a totally different um, track. And, I mean, like, the reason why I'm using Batman Returns is because, like, the years... I think they even mentioned that his last Birdman movie was 92, which is exactly when oh, that's Batman Returns was. Like, yeah, it's such a, it's a direct meta connection. So the idea of what would be that version now i mean maybe in 20 years hugh jackman he just played wolverine for so long um that could be and he's also very theatrical i mean he does he loves theater he does you know he does he's i think he does one man shows all the time but it would have to be a little longer though i I think I, i disagree i think what i thought of immediately was chris evans um I think that no, he but hasn't... he's rebounded already. That's the thing. He's and he's already he's already pursued like his artistic like he's already directed a movie like he's already kind of like he's already kind of bounced back and he doesn't have this I like this wearing celebrity or whatever. He's just kind of. I can. I mean, I I'm not saying he hasn't rebounded, but I I can kind of see something down the line where it's like, hey, it's only Captain America. Like, I, well, actually. I mean, but Chris yeah, Evans I feel like he's already Bro- just passed that. I just I thought think, of Chris Evans has done Broadway. I just remembered that. <laughs> I feel like Chris Hemsworth would be a better shot of like who's an actor who's only thought of as that character. Tom Holland. No, but see, it's too it's it's too young for him, and he's already doing Cherry with the fucking Russo brothers, where he plays a heroin addict. We don't know how that's going to turn out. But but the thing is, though, he's already kind of making moves like that. I'm trying to think of someone who is so completely anonymous with his character that, or his or her character that they're not viewed as anything else. Chris I mean, would be a good answer. Who? Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, Hemsworth. I think Chris. Yeah. I think Hemsworth was the answer because nothing yeah. he's tried to do after that has worked. Well, Blackhead. Oh my God. I, <laughs> I don't even want to bring him up. Uh, oh, are you talking about Pratt? No, what's his name? Renner. Yeah. He had a little bit. He had a little bit before Hawkeye. Yeah, like, he was... I think Hemsworth is the the best answer. Yeah, because Hawkeye is so... No one cares. He gives two shits about Hawkeye. Yeah. Like, um... But yeah, that might be. Yeah, I, I think Hemsworth is probably the best bet. But, I mean, that's a good question. Um, maybe, maybe Cavill. Ooh. I don't know. But he's already, like, he's already The Witcher now, so I don't even know. But, like... The what? The Witcher, the show. One of, yeah. like, apparently Just... Netflix's most viewed show ever. Ever, and it came out, like, when? Last week? Honestly. Wow. That's bizarre. <sighs> wow. All right. Yeah, Henry Cavill, uh, I kind of like that answer. Yeah. yeah, I like him. And another, you know, he's. I'm curious where that guy goes because he was a great Superman. Well, thing is, it's just I can't I can't tell you now. 
it, it has to be like she's just really bursted onto the scene. Like 2017 was like the first year where you're like, oh, actress, like Gal Gadot. Yeah, but I think that why I I thought of Gal is like she's not an actor; she's a movie star. Yeah, she's like a definition of a movie star. And so I think if if she um, let's say she makes four Wonder Woman movies and then just walks away 20 years later, she wants to become like. She wants to win an Oscar. She wants to win a, a Tony, you know. Um, people are like Wonder Woman. What? I I think that that it's like, let's just pretend Regan Thompson was like Gal Gadot, where he wasn't an actor; he was a movie star. But he wanted That's to my be logic. an actor. That's the thing. I don't know if Gadot always wanted to be an actor. That's the idea of like the intention versus what happened. Um, I got you. So he just, Eli, right. Like he just got sucked into Birdman. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Mark Ruffalo, just because I want Mark Ruffalo and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I love me some rough. We'll talk some... about him next week. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. God. I love Spotlight. Um, so let's, well, yeah, I guess we should wrap it up. Uh, let's, we, what we do at the end of every episode is what is your favorite scene? Um, do you guys have one? Um, I have one if you want. Oh. Do you have one, Cher? I have to think. Okay, I yeah, got Clay, one. Um, it's... I think it's him talking with his wife before the final play. Mm. It's him, like, because that's the... One, it's the quietest moment of the scene. It's letting Keaton do his work. It's at, when he's at his most vulnerable. You can tell shit's about to go down. And I think, and I just, that's the part of the movie I wanted more of is the quiet moments. The moments where you're just like, yeah, let's dig into this character. Let's talk about him. You know, who gives two shits about the industry? Let's talk about what really makes him him. And he feels, and he's already so defeated, but he has, he has, he's at peace with it all. And Keaton's so great in the scene. And he's just talking with his ex-wife and he's just kind of lamenting on everything he's done. And he's being very self-reflective, but he's also being very, he's, you know, he's very somber and, but he's at peace. And I find that to be so engaging and captivating because you know, something's wrong, but you also kind of feel for him. Like he maybe finally has it figured out. Even because he's, like, right before he either tries to kill himself or not. Who knows? But, like, yeah, I think that's my favorite scene. Yeah. Do you guys have one? I I have to say the opening scene where he's, like, levitating. Or yeah, it's pretty cool. Because it's just, like, immediately you're in, like, a really weird world. Mm-hmm. Um. Or I would have to say, like, specifically shot that has stuck with me over the years is him going into the liquor store that has all the lights, mm. like all the Christmas lights. Like that shot in particular of him walking in has stuck with me so much to where even when I moved to New York, I tried to find out if that's an actual liquor store and it's not. And it was very disappointing, but I still love the shot. So, you know what that those colors kind of remind me of? And this is kind of like a. It's kind of it's kind of a wonky connection. There's this scene in <laughs> Eyes Wide Shut um, of um, Tom Cruise going into this prostitute's bedroom, and there's like it's Christmas movie, so there's yeah. like Christmas decorations, 
and there's like this little tree in in the corner of a bedroom and <laughs> there's like similar like combination of lights in that liquor store i don't know why it's just like i've i kind of like i watch i watch out every christmas so i go back You're to so it weird. and oh well i i just like the You're movie such a weird person i haven't watched it since i was like 18 it's it's great it's every excellent. christmas well, I mean, not every Christmas, but it just feels oh, okay. like it feels like um, it's just it takes place during Christmas. I don't know what to I think about it. Um, my favorite scene is the truth or dare scene. I think it's kind of fun. Um, yeah, I think Norton and Stone have good chemistry together. Um, like when he is is talking about seeing the world's uh, the way that he that she sees it now, it's it's kind of like. Um, it's I don't I don't know if it's humanizing Mike Shiner, but it's it's being like he he wasn't always this jaded. I like so the I would, moment. I like the moment when he's like, "You should go spit on that bald bald guy's face or bald guy's head," and she spits, <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, yeah," and, and that was cool. That's a good scene. Have They're you little... done that? Have you spit on bald guys' heads in New York City? <laughs> Only during Christmas. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. I play the fifth. Um, oh, I also do like the moment when she, like, someone says, jump! And she's like, and she's like, bite me! And he's like, yeah, you know, jump, jump, jump down, and I'll, I'll do it. And and she's like, ah, I love New York. Yeah. That was, that was a good moment. I wish I still loved New York like that. But yeah. it's okay. I'm so it goes. We're me and New York are in a rough time in our relationship. I'm I'm learning to love it again. Yeah, me and New York so it's always been on rocky terms. Yeah. I um, think it's kind of like yeah. most New York movies, where it's like uh, they the spit on bald guys' heads. <laughs> a little bit where it's like, um, you know, this city can really chew people out and and spit them back out with. Uh, with some moxie in their and their bones, but you know what? I love it anyway. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it's just kind of like um, it's kind of like a taxi driver is is what pops into my head. Like, like it's it's filmed in such like a grimy and gross um, uh, kind of aesthetic, but I still think it's it's kind of portrayed lovingly in some parts, but different time maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I I. Uh, I, I I can't beat that. I mean, that's perfectly said. Um, is there anything else we want to talk about before we wrap this up? Uh, that's it. That's all I want to say. Yeah. And you love Chivo. I love Chivo. I think and you Chivo. love Diego Luna. But he's not in this movie, so I no, wasn't. Not. But I do love him. Um. Yeah. I. I yeah, I have my problems with it, but it's not the worst. You know, it's not the worst Best Picture winner. It's um, not King's Speech. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's not King's Speech. Um, yeah, Shay, thank you so much for coming on. Of course, we would love to have you on again. Uh, oh, where can everyone find you on the internet? Find me at just Shay S H E A Vassar V A S S A R. That's my at on Instagram and Twitter. So, yeah. 
Jack, where can the wonderful people find you? Um, I am at Jack A. Draper on Twitter, and my writing can be found on the Simple Cinephile. I can be found at Clayfilm100 on Twitter, on Instagram, on Letterboxd. Um, please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Our Twitter account for the podcast is at ETTPod. Um, give us five stars. Give us a nice comment. Uh, we are on Anchor. You can leave us a nice voicemail, questions, concerns, what have you. Um, next week, we have Spotlight with Meg Brady. That'll yeah. be a lot of fun. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, thank you much. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.